Amen. And good morning, everyone. I'm going to give you a moment to get your copy of God's Word out for you. We're going to be looking this morning at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're continuing our two-parter in the series on resurrection and the body. And particularly today, how do we live into the biblical understanding of resurrection to come as our great hope? So as you get your Bibles out, I'm going to remind you again, we are in a series. It's called Resurrection and the Life. And since uh, Easter Sunday, we have been looking out from the tomb at what does life look like for us post-resurrection? How do we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, body, and now even in the great hope, again, of resurrection to come? So excited you're here. Please turn in your copy of God's Word to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll be looking at verses 3 and 4 and 12 and 19. Please stand now for a reading from God's Word. The Scripture says, For I handed on to you, as of first importance, what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Down to verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sin. Then those also who have died in Christ are perished. If, for this life only, we have hope in Christ, we are all people most to be pitied. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Please remain standing as I pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your word. God, we hold it right this morning and we hold it precious to our heart. Lord, this is the rule of life for us, an understanding of faith and doctrine. Use it today to stir our hearts to the great hope and the story you have invited us into, following Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning again. I'm so glad you're here. What we're going to do right now, I'm going to walk you very quickly through this scripture to see what does it say about resurrection. This whole chapter is really uh, critical for us to understand the story of resurrection. And then we're going to give you three ways that we can live into the hope of resurrection, even starting today. Going back to verse 3, you see what it says there. He says, For I handed on to you, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church and to us today. For I handed on to you what is of first importance, that which I had received, that Christ died. And he goes on to say, Christ died in accordance to the word, and he was buried for three days, and he was risen just as he said he would, this too in accordance to the word. This, Paul says, is of first importance. What he's giving us here is the core of the gospel, the good news. And it's the very center of our Christian story, our great hope. And you notice that inseparably here, he's talking about the death of Jesus and his being raised from the dead. This is inseparable. There is a, a unity between the idea that Christ has died, 
his burial, his death, that he truly was dead, dead in the flesh too, and was raised, resurrected. This is what Paul had been given and what he took so intentionally time to deliver on to us. This is the gospel. This is foundational. This is so important. It's essential that we understand Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised. He is risen from the dead. Going on to verse 12, he asked this, Now how, if Christ has been proclaimed to you as risen from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, he's talking to believers in that day who did not accept that there was going to be a great resurrection of the bodies to come in the future. He's not just saying this is about Christ being raised. It's not saying you've rejected the doctrine that Christ has been raised. He's saying you have forgotten and neglected the idea that all are going to be raised, and that is our great hope. See, the Corinthian church back then was losing touch with this story, and I think sometimes we are too. Is this really a problem, though, if we don't uh, hold precious the idea that we're all going to be raised on the last day? What would be the problem? Well, look at verse 13. It says, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then our proclamation of the gospel, he says, has been in vain. And your faith has been in vain. See, if there is no resurrection of all, then Christ himself, he said, has not been raised. And our faith is in vain. We really need to pay attention to that. The idea that it's in vain in this case means empty or worthless, that our faith would be empty or worthless if there's not a hope for resurrection for all and a resurrection shown to us there in Christ. Continuing in verse 15, he says, Then we are even found to have been misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ. And if he did not raise Christ, if it's not true, then the dead are not going to be raised either. And if the dead are not raised, then Christ was not raised. See, if we don't have a foundation of bodily resurrection for us as our hope, it's like saying Christ hasn't been raised either. It's that significant. We must hold on to this great hope of bodily resurrection for all. It's as almost as if there's like a house of cards and the idea that Christ is risen and that our great hope has been risen. Those are the two pillars and, and the whole thing falls apart if we, we take one of those things down. What we've been saying through this series is, you see, what happened to him happens to us by faith. And we talk about resurrection, resurrection of the body as our great hope. We can say that what happened to him will happen to us and this is our great story of faith. So vital is the understanding of resurrection that Paul says in verse 17, you see, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sin. So vital. Now, this idea of futile means powerless or ineffective, that's why he says, see, if Christ hasn't been raised and we don't have the hope of resurrection, then we remain still in our sin. Verse 18, he says, then those who have died, even with faith in Christ, they're, they're perished, they're just gone. See, if we lose hope and assurance of the story of resurrection, then they're just gone. But friends, this is not... This is not our story. Ours is not one of 
futility and eternal perishing. It's not. He goes on to say in verse 19, For if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, then we are all people most to be pitied. You see, our hope in Christ isn't just for us to have a better life in this world or in some other existence without body. Our hope in Christ is for a living hope. It's a living hope for an eternity with Christ. Our soul, spirit, and body resurrected in God's new kingdom come. Now, I want to unpack for you more of this idea of understanding resurrection as our great hope. So I brought an expert in for us this morning. Pastor Joy has spent so much time studying the doctrine of, of resurrection, and she's prayed about it, and she's here to present to us not only this doctrine, but also give us three ways practically that we can begin living into this great hope of resurrection to come. Here's my friend, Pastor Joy. Thank you, Simon. So there's a question that all of us at some point have either asked or been asked, and the question is, what happens when I die? A child might ask their parent as they're being tucked in, or maybe if you've been very sick, you've thought about this. What happens when I die? This question is fundamentally about the nature of human existence. Is it all gone? Do I just end? Is there hope beyond the grave? And we can kind of categorize four primary answers that humanity gives to this question, and I'm going to do this right now. You might recognize some of these. The first response says, when you die, you're dead. This is called materialism. Materialism is a primary belief of people who don't identify as religious. In this view, when you die, you're dead. You're like a broken machine that can't be fixed anymore. There isn't a spiritual component of the, the person at all. The second response says, when you die, your spirit becomes one with the divine reality. This is part of traditional Buddhist teaching sometimes. This means that when one dies, you sort of enter a universal consciousness that includes any god or gods as well as all of those who have gone before you. The third response is you will be reincarnated. You might be familiar with this belief from Hindu teachings. At death, your soul escapes your body, and then it returns as something else, maybe a worm or a dog or a king, if you've been real good, or maybe a waitress. The fourth response that you might be quite familiar with is that when you die, your soul leaves your body and goes to either heaven or hell. Some people might say that all souls go to heaven. Some people may believe that only those who are good get to go to heaven, which causes us to wonder, what is good? Most Christians will say that those who go to heaven are people who have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But no matter how you get to heaven, what I want to emphasize in this perspective is that the soul is able to separate from the body and exist eternally without it. So let's review. Four perspectives of what happens when someone dies. One, you just die. Two, you become one with divine reality. Three, you're reincarnated. Or four, your soul goes to heaven or hell. Well, I want to tell you something, and this might be a surprise to some of you, so I'm guessing you're already sitting down. Sit down if you're not. And wait to respond until you've heard the whole thing I'm about to say. 
Really, none of these ideas about what happens when we die, none of them, reflect the Bible's full teaching on death and eternal destination. Perhaps you thought the fourth one did. You're not alone. This belief, this fourth belief is strongly embedded in our culture because of the influence of Greek, the Greek philosophy. But the fourth is more biblical than the rest, but it is still not the complete biblical answer of what happens when we die. The hope we have in Christ is actually more exciting than this. Let me explain. First, the Bible doesn't say that much about what exactly happens the moment someone dies. We have to remember, the purpose of the Bible is not to tell us the future, it's to tell us about how God calls us now to be in relationship with him and with other people. It's about now. So this is what happens. This is what we know from scripture. When a believer, a believer in Jesus Christ dies, they are with Christ. We'll look at this a bit later, what this means. Their body remains here on earth. And then, at some point in the future when Jesus returns, and no matter what people say, no one knows the day or the hour, so we don't know that, Jesus will return, though. And then the dead will rise. And those who are in Christ will remain eternally with God. And Jesus, in his return, ushers in the new heavens and the new earth. And this is the thumbnail sketch of our hope. So let me dig into this a bit more. But remember, resurrection of the body, of our bodies, the new heavens and the new earth, and Jesus on the throne ruling over all this new creation is our Christian hope. So scripture does talk about resurrection a lot. Resurrection undergirds Paul's writings, as Pastor Simon has emphasized these past few weeks. So here's a few of the highlights. Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. 1 Corinthians 15, 21. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain, and your faith has been in vain. Philippians 3, 10 through 11. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Scripture talks a lot about heaven, too, especially in Matthew's gospel, the kingdom of heaven. Now, in our culture, we often think of heaven as someplace up there, the place your soul may go when you die. But the biblical view of heaven is different. Heaven, in the Bible, is God's reality. It's God's space. So, if we go back to Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned long ago, their sin separated them from God. And their sin separated them from God's space, from heaven. Heaven and earth, you see, are meant to be together. And so when Jesus was born and lived on earth, what he did was he brought heaven with him. That's why he went around proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is among you. And doing heavenly things like healing people and raising people from the dead, making things on earth as they are in heaven, on earth as they are in God's space. 
Jesus started bringing heaven to earth, and his resurrection, what we celebrate on Easter, and truthfully, every Sunday, is the first fruits of that final resurrection in the world to come. Our hope in the resurrection is hope that God will raise us from the dead, and that heaven and earth will once again be joined together, and just like Jesus, our bodies will be changed. Just like Jesus will be recognizable, but unrecognizable, like Jesus. You know, he had the scars he received on account of his love for others, but they were healed as a testament of his love. And like Jesus, I think we'll be able to eat, but we'll also be able to disappear through walls. Some people speculate that this resurrection is into a kind of different dimension. I don't know, but I can tell you this. Hope in the resurrection is a hope that has a trajectory, and that trajectory is toward the body, not away from the body. The concept of the soul leaving the body is not an idea that takes our God becoming human and being raised from the dead seriously. God demonstrates his love for us by becoming embodied. Our future resurrections affirm that being embodied and in right relationship with God and others is what it means to be truly human. Because it takes a body to love. Pastor Simon has said this, I agree. You know, your soul can't hug Jesus. Sorry, or anyone else. Our souls can't make a cup of tea for a friend, or pick flowers, or polka to German music in the kitchen during lockdown, and that is hypothetical. <laughs> it takes a body to love. It takes a body to live. And so, a Christian hope is hope in life after life after death. Our hope is in the resurrection of the dead. Believers in Christ, you will be raised. Actually, everyone will be raised. We'll all be raised, and then we'll be judged. We don't like to talk about this. It's really uncomfortable to think about. But I really can't mention resurrection without mentioning judgment. But those who have followed Jesus, who are disciples of Jesus, you know what you get to say at the judgment? You get to say, I am with him. I am with him. You get to point to Christ, the resurrected Christ, and say, I am with him. Amen. But I, I wonder if some of you are still thinking, well, this is great, but what happens before life after life after death? <laughs> Could I have a drink of water? Well, I have three words for you. I don't know. We do know that believers don't have to be afraid. I feel a little afraid right now, coughing in front of everyone. I'm okay, losing my place, but we feel even more afraid sometimes about death, you know. But Paul was very clear about this. In the letter to the church in Philippi, he says, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. 
Paul realizes that at his death, he will be with Christ. And Jesus said this much, too, when he spoke to the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. What Jesus is offering is not an explanation of what happens to someone when they die, but grace offered to this man and his expression of his need for Jesus. Paradise, in, in Jewish thought, it wasn't the final resting place. It wasn't heaven. It was a place of rest and restoration before the gift of new life and the resurrection. So know this. Believers who die are with Christ. And then they and us, if we're dead, will be resurrected when Jesus returns. The dead in Christ will rise. Jesus will usher in the new heavens and the new earth. And this will be the great new creation. This is our future hope. And it has implications for how we are to live every day. So here are three ways to live into a biblical belief of the resurrection. First, be mindful of this. God cares about your body and what you do with it. Never, ever say, my friends, never say, it's just my body. Your body and what you do with it matters to God. And this is why a Christian sexual ethic is so important. This is because we will be raised, and this is what Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians. You will be raised, and God made us, our bodies, with a purpose to participate with him in his creative, redemptive, and sustaining work in the universe. And we are called to walk in step with God's intention for the created world. God made our bodies and wants us to participate in his ordering of the world. Because we take our bodies seriously as part of God's good creation that will be raised. This is number two. Our whole selves, heart, soul, mind, and body matter to God. In other words, following Jesus isn't just about your body, your soul. It's about your whole self, so take care of yourself. Our bodies matter. Your body is part of who you are. Take care of yourself so that you can love others. But at the same time, this is number three, usually people need help with number two or number three, but not both. Don't take your physical body too seriously. We usually see extremes here. Healthy food and exercise are good, but people can take these God-created things and make idols out of them. This is nothing new. We do this with our bodies when we prioritize beauty or health above everything else, when we live as if this is all we'll ever have, but that is not true. When we take our bodies so seriously that we fight hard against aging and spend resources to stay looking younger and to stay healthy and make that number one priority, but that is dust in the wind, friends. The truth is, is we're all going to age. We're all going to die unless Jesus comes back first. We live in a culture that prioritizes youth and beauty, and that's hard. Don't worship these. Worship God, the God of the resurrection. One of the effects of this pandemic is that it causes us to come face to face with our own mortality. We're going to die unless Jesus comes first. And so accept this and live as people who will be resurrected. So when you look in the mirror and sigh, maybe you don't do this yet, but one day you will. Um, instead of sighing, start saying, I will be resurrected. <laughs> when you're sick, pray for healing, but also say, I will be resurrected. And talking about the, the resurrection, Paul wrote, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. 
I will be resurrected. I will be raised imperishable. If we were together, maybe you'd say amen. So you can post that on Facebook right now. <laughs> or you can type, I will be resurrected. Amen. Resurrection is our picture of hope through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you much about the specifics, like I said. But some Christians whose imaginations have been sanctified by the Holy Spirit have written on this. And so here's one of my favorite scenes from C.S. Lewis's book, last book of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Last Battle. And in this brief scene, Lewis imagines resurrected bodies in the new heavens and the new earth. This is the text. But now, a most strange thing happened. Everyone else began to run, and they found, to their astonishment, that they could keep up with the unicorn, not only the dogs and the humans, but even fat little Puzzle the donkey and short-legged Pogum the dwarf. The air flew in their faces as if they were driving fast in a car without a windscreen. The country flew past as if they were seeing it from the windows of an express train. Faster and faster they raced, but no one got hot or tired or out of breath. Mm. No one got hot or tired or out of breath. Mm. Do you want this resurrected glory? Mm -hmm. Do you long for this? Maybe you thought about this as a child when you imagined flying or running as fast as you could. Maybe, maybe you've forgotten this longing, but it haunts you every, every now and then when the sun peeks from behind the clouds and the colors are pink and purple and you think this is glorious. Mm -hmm. Friends, we all have a longing for something more, mm. for something more beautiful and transcendent, for something that makes you laugh and love and weep and feel beautiful all the time. We long for things to be made right. You long for something more than this. Mm -hmm. That's a real longing. And God, if you will allow him to, will fulfill that hope. And let me tell you, God's fulfillment of this hope through Jesus is way, way better than our soul escaping and existing on after death. Thank you. Thank you, Joy. My prayer this week is that you would be overwhelmed with the awe and wonder of the great story of resurrection that we have been invited into by faith in Jesus Christ. Stick around again after the service. We're going to have a time of Q&A, and I'm going to share with you a testimony of when the reality and wonder of this story of resurrection overwhelmed me. I'll tell you about that in a bit. But let me ask you a couple questions in response to what we just heard. How secure are you in your salvation? Do you sometimes feel like your faith is ineffective or even in vain? Are you not certain to what or where you will go when your life ends? Would you like to have greater certainty in your eternal story? I love what my favorite third and fourth century theologian Augustine says about this. And he says, Christ has departed from our sight so that we might return to our hearts and find him right there. If he left us, behold, he is here. You see, friends, I want you to have certainty in your heart with Christ as your living hope. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I want you to answer honestly from the depths of your heart. And maybe you want to stand and declare it. Maybe you want to post about it, hit the heart button, or just say it out loud. But let me ask you this. 
Do you believe Jesus died for your sin? If so, say yes. Do you accept forgiveness in his name? If so, say yes. Do you believe Jesus was raised from the dead? Do you trust him to lead you into eternal life? If so, say yes. If you answered yes to these questions, please pray with me right now. Here we are, Lord. Hearing your call for us to give you what is already yours, our hearts, minds, souls, bodies, and our hope, even at the time of our death. By your grace, you have invited us into your story of resurrection and life everlasting. Lead us to honor you with our whole selves. Fill us with your Holy Spirit to guide us. Use us to tell others what we have received as first importance. And so, Lord, today, we give our whole selves to you, spirit, soul, body. We welcome you into our hearts by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, if that's the first time that you have prayed a prayer like that, or if it's a renewal for you and you would like encouragement in your walk, please reach out to us. We would love to celebrate with you and encourage you in your faith. Now, let us worship together in the great hope of resurrection to come in Jesus' name. <laughs>